Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Reed Steffen, CIO at St. Luke's Health System. In part two, Steffen talks about how his team worked with Epic to create better workflows to support the vaccine rollout. The moment he knew he had to pursue the associate CIO role, despite his reservations, what he considers to be the most rewarding aspects of his job, and the qualities he believes CIOs will need going forward. And you mentioned what you've had to do as far as workflows for the vaccines and in working with Epic and some of the other vendors. How has that experience been through the pandemic? Uh, There's been some great dialogue. I think that everyone is leaning in from the government to St. Luke's to other healthcare providers in our community to our vendors. There's been some great examples of healthcare providers cooperating, working with each other. And that really, it's been a great example for our community. So here's a simple example. We had a a vaccine clinic a couple of weeks ago, and we were short on the doses we needed for Moderna. And to the point that we were supposed to get a shipment in, and this is when there was really poor weather in the eastern and southeastern part of the U.S., and so it impacted the flight of that product. And so we were facing potentially having to cancel that vaccine clinic that day which was problematic because for many of these folks, it was their booster shot. Well, then a local clinic in the area stepped up and they're like, look, we can give you 2000 doses of Moderna and just handshake agreement. Then when you get your shipment in next week, they'll they'll replenish our stock. And so the um, local news got a hold of that and ran a story about it. And it was just really, I think, gratifying and, and uplifting for the community for whatever reason in this day and age, there there seems to be fewer of those examples of kind of like cooperation between maybe parties that have competing interests. And so when yeah. you see an example of that, it just like restores people's faith in the reality that I believe, which is that most of us are good people doing the best we can and are honest and willing to give others the benefit of the doubt. So I would describe that being kind of a consistent feeling in all the interactions we're having with others, uh, including Epic. One of the challenges that that we were facing was there was so much demand for the vaccine early on, and there still is, but we had this this groundswell, you know, at the first part of the year, and we didn't have a great way to engage those that were interested in how they can understand when the vaccine might be available to them. So they were having to log into MyChart to look and see if there are any available appointments. They were having to call our Connect team to talk to somebody to see if there was an appointment they could schedule. And so working with Epic and they they came out with a a patient registry kind of solution where you could sign up to say like, hey, I'm interested. And then we can then consume that list. And then when we had a spot, we could then reach out to that patient. So instead of a patient having to log in, in some cases they were doing it multiple times a day, They could just sign up, show their interest, and then we could then have a workflow that would reach out to them when an appointment became available. So we're still working through that workflow and that context, but learning a lot. Uh, And as we think about a year from now, we're likely going to have another surge of of vaccines, flu, and potentially the next COVID vaccine round. So we want to take these lessons we're learning now to really build out and have an even smoother and more consumer-centered workflow around this just to minimize as much of the frustration and anxiety that's out there as we can. So now you mentioned that you were CISO and that actually you you were with HP for a while. Mm -hmm. So first I would ask, how do you think 
all that time spent in information security, how does that influence how you approach your role as CIO? Yeah, I think it's, for me, it was a really ideal career track. I didn't have a, an aspirational career goal of being a CIO. Uh, it was a situation where opportunities just presented themselves and it just it just worked out that way as I kind of progressed through my, my roles here at St. Luke's. But when I look back on it, you know, I spent almost 10 years at HP, worked in their, their global cybersecurity team there, came to St. Luke's 10 years ago. At the time was the first hired cybersecurity person for St. Luke's and was able to be a part of helping to, to build and grow a team. And it, it was funny at HP because HP is massive. And so you would, you would make changes and that's a big shift to kind of see that change having an effect on course that we're on. St. Luke's was really ideal because, you know, a big enough scale, like two and a half billion dollars of revenue, that there was resources to do things, but not so massive that, you know, you had to wait months to kind of test out and see the results of things that you believed would would prove effective. So it was really a, a great environment to to refine and kind of shape how I thought about things. And what I would say is coming up through an IT security background is I gained a great appreciation for, for risk, you know, and how to assess it and how to use that assessment to help guide decisions. And I would say that still kind of shapes a lot of, of how I approach opportunities today is I really try and look at things through a risk lens to quantify the risk and then help that provide some evidence-based output to help guide the decision. And you can apply that framework, whether you're talking about a potential cybersecurity risk, a resource capacity risk, uh, an opportunity cost risk. So I, I really try and have a pragmatic approach when it comes to how I look at opportunities, problems, challenges that might lay ahead of us and focus on quantifying the risk in those situations to then guide the decision. And it's been a fairly effective model for me. Uh, what I find for me is it helps to remove any unknown bias. It helps to remove maybe some emotion that I may unintentionally bring to a, a situation or a kind of a fork in the road. And it really distills down and increases the likelihood of making a good evidence-based decision. What made you interested in eventually pursuing that CIO role or going in that track? Yeah, it's interesting. I, um, I love my role at St. Luke's as a CISO. And I was talking to my, my wife one night and there was an associate CIO position that had just been created. And um, our CIO at the time had approached me and just asked if I'd be interested in applying. And my first response was, you know, I don't think so. Like I really really like what I'm doing. I love the team that I'm working with. I like the results that we're seeing. And I was, I was at home and I was just kind of talking to Michelle about it. And in the course of that conversation, I realized that I was approaching this opportunity differently than I'd approached every other previous opportunity in my career, which is I'd always kind of pursued new opportunities when they presented themselves just to gain the learning and the expertise. And in some cases that meant, you know, interviewing for a role, but not being selective, but still gaining that experience that only comes in the doing. So I, the thought just came like, if I don't pursue this, I'm going to wake up 10 years from now and I'm going to wonder what if, and I just did not want to have that future experience. And I also realized that there was a, an element of self-preservation that was guiding my decision to not consider it initially, which is that at St. Luke's, 
I was kind of viewed as a cyber guy and I could be in any mm-hmm. room of the hospital. And I felt like I knew as much, if not more about cybersecurity than anyone else around that table. You know, you can get a little complacent. It's a comfortable feeling that doesn't really promote growth. And I realized that in this new role, it would be just the opposite. I would be in a lot of meetings where I would know the least of anybody in that room about what was being talked about. So I challenged myself and pursued it. And as they say, the rest is history. But it's been the things I've learned in the last three or four years and the growth I've experienced wouldn't have happened otherwise. So absolutely, it was the right choice. Yeah. And as with any move like that, I can imagine there's a learning curve. And did you approach that by talking to others or learning on the job or how did you look at that? Yep. So um, I was incredibly vulnerable and curious. So I had and continue to have and cultivate uh, a group of internal peer mentors, like people that will just tell me what I need to hear not what I want to hear and give me really great unfettered feedback and, uh, and perspective. I also sought external support. And so, you know, I've done a couple of different kind of executive coaching uh, engagements. I've tried to grow over time, just a network of, of fellow CIOs. And so it's just, that's one of the most rewarding aspects of the role is just those connections you make. When it's not about ego, it's not about trying to demonstrate how smart you are, what a good CIO you are. It's really about, hey, I recognize I've got blind spots and weaknesses. I want to do the very best I can for the organization. And I know that I cannot do that unless I have people that are willing to invest time in telling me where I might be missing things. I might, you know, be kind of misstepping or misspeaking. That's a pattern that I just don't think I'll ever lose through the rest of my career. But I found those like, that's a proactive effort, right? You can't just sit back and wait for others to come to you and say, hey, Reed, I know you met well, but I'm just really worried about what I heard you say in this meeting or what I read. Very seldom do people come forward like that with unsolicited kind of coaching or feedback. But if you're willing to reach out and to verbalize your desire to grow and improve and be better, people are incredibly gracious and kind and forthcoming with that feedback. And it's invaluable. Definitely agree with that. The last thing I wanted to ask was in terms of the CIO role, and obviously it has changed. It has evolved a lot in the past year, but when you look ahead on the next few years, what do you think are are the qualities CIOs are going to need to have going forward? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And that's one that I wrestle with daily and really have a lot of conversations with others about. I remember when I was just out of school, uh, I worked for a company and I was a systems engineer. And there was a gentleman teaching us some course on Microsoft solutions. And he he made some comment about the CIO role. And he's like, you all know what CIO stands for, right? And we're like, yeah, chief information officer. He's like, no, it stands for career is over. Because once you get in that role, it's about a three-year life expectancy and you're going to get fired because it's just such a dynamic, ever-changing role and it's, it's hard to, to accomplish. So that story has stuck with me. And so when I think about the CIO role, the letter I can stand for a lot of different things. It can stand for information. It can stand for innovation. Uh, it can stand for integrity. There's just a lot that comes into this role. You know, you can think about healthcare as, and I I don't say this as like, this is not a marketing slogan for sure, 
but I view St. Luke's as a technology company that happens to deliver healthcare. I mean, that's that's how ubiquitous technology is in the the support and how intertwined it is just about everything that we do. So I think as I envision my role going forward, there has to be an inexhaustible supply of curiosity. There has to be a willingness to bring forward and take on new ideas, new business capability, kind of oversight and leadership. There has to be a willingness to embark in efforts that maybe traditionally haven't been considered part of an IT core competency. So it's it's much more than just running the technology day-to-day that, that serves the need of the organization. It's really being a trusted thought leader, a trusted executive partner to help drive the overall effectiveness of, of business operations. And that can take on a, a variety of aspects, right? So I think in my role, there's times I feel like I'm part of the legal team, I'm part of marketing, I'm part of finance, I'm part of clinical operations. There's just such a broad impact that this department has on the organization. And so by extension, then I think the leader of a department like that has to be willing to kind of wear a variety of hats and to interchange them in a very agile and dynamic way. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.